Shannon Tipton here, and welcome to the Learning Rebels Coffee Chat, where all the cool L&D peeps hang out. While you're here, don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on future chats. Today, the cool kids are talking about how to shed SMART goals. It is time to pull back the curtain on SMART goals. SMART goals have been around since time began. There's probably a caveman drawing out there somewhere written in SMART goal fashion about how to gather and hunt. But just like when Dorothy pulled back the curtain to expose the wizard, when we pull back the curtain here, we discover that SMART goals aren't so smart after all. When used in a broader sense for goal setting that are not linear in nature, SMART goals in fact set us up for failure. And in today's chat, we will be discussing big, hairy, audacious goals or BHAGs, and how to chunk them down, how to incorporate and get in front of barriers, and how to plan for reevaluation. So the big question on the table today, if we know that SMART goals aren't SMART, how can we then set goals that will set us up for success? So without further ado, let's get to it. All right. Well, welcome, everyone. Here we are. Brand new year. Our first coffee chat of the year. I'm super excited. And today we are going to talk about why smart goals aren't smart. We can set ourselves up for success as we move forward. And we're going to talk about BHAGs. We're going to talk about how we can um, break down our goals so that we have a greater opportunity to set us up for success. Andrew, once again, is joining us. Thank you, Andrew, for being with us. It's uh, the end of your workday. It's 5 p.m., yeah. <laughs> it's like cocktail hour for you, so I appreciate that. Tea. <laughs> Tea. Well, hey, whatever's in your coffee cup is between you and your coffee cup. And Andrew, joining us from London, also is going to contribute to our conversation today about setting goals and how we can set ourselves up for success. I'm going to start off by saying, you know, smart goals, not smart. The problem with smart goals is that they are pretty constraining. And smart goals are great if you have small projects, right? You're going to smart, measurable, attainable, relevant or relatable or whatever R word you use and trackable, right? And so if you're doing something small, that kind of works. Or if you're working on something that's very linear, that kind of works. However, most goals are not linear in nature, and especially if we're talking about personal or professional development goals, those certainly are not linear. So SMART goals put us in a box that is filled with failure, written all over it. And that's not really where we want to start, and especially not where we want to start, you know, this brand fresh, glittery year, right? We want to set ourselves up not just for success, but we want to set ourselves up for forward progress, right? Because success is depending on how you define it. And as we move to achieve goals, we know that they're not linear. Like I said, there are ups and downs and peaks and valleys. And sometimes we do things well and we end up in an area where it's like, oh my gosh, look what happened. This is kind of cool. All right. This took me in a different direction. Or sometimes it's like, oh, well, that didn't work out. I, I think I need to readjust and then go back. Now, 
what I want us to do is I want us to think in terms of BHAGs. Now, how many of you have heard the term BHAG before me? Big, hairy, audacious goals. And this is what I'd like us to think about. Big, hairy, audacious goals. And it's really thinking beyond the project of the moment. It's thinking about something larger in scope with a motivation behind it, a big why behind it. So we're trying to do something for a specific reason. And it might be a reason that might help our businesses be more successful, but it might be something for yourself as well. And those BHAGs chunk down into smaller goals. And so I'm curious, who would like to start the conversation about SMART goals in general? What are your feelings about SMART goals? Have you seen great success with SMART goals? If not, why not? Who would like to kick off this conversation for me? I actually want to riff off of what Don had placed in the chat because I think sort of like Don, I kind of hit this, oh yeah, moment because I was actually doing a, a document that I've always decided to use before I even try to storyboard when I'm working on a project. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about SMART goals and I was like, okay, like, so if I have to think about this and I don't have all the information from the client, so like if I thought about the yes and the M and like I was processing through that. So then I was listening to you and I saw Don say, no, I never thought of it that way. I was like, you know, Shannon made a really good point. Like SMART is incredibly linear, like as much as Addy is for mm-hmm. those of us that are instructional designers or learning experience designers. And I'm excited about what we're all going to share today. Like what happens in an iterative context in us being able to say that we have goals and to be able to say that we are achieving a goal, even if the goalpost is changing and we've said, oh, that's okay, because we're trying to be iterative in our process. So to your point, Shannon, it's like those two things become then mutually exclusive. Like you can't have a SMART goal if you're in an iterative process because the SMART goals keep changing. And then, so what are you doing? Are you constantly stopping? Like, oh, I'm sorry, everybody. I have to reassess my SMART goals here to make sure that I'm still achieving my goals. Yes, that that also sounds like a definition of insanity. So this is going to be (laughs) intriguing. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Yes, definitely. You can see that in a project meeting right now, right? Everybody's going, wait, stop, hold the bus. That's not what my SMART goal says. I've got to go back and I've got to rewrite that. And that's <laughs> that's craziness. It's lunacy. So thank you for contributing that, Erica. Anyone else? I'll put in my two cents. Thank you. What I've seen, you know, working in industry is that it's something you do in January or February and the managers never go back to it. They never help their employees achieve that goal. The employee doesn't know how that goal has trickled down to them from the vice president all the way to their president, to the manager, to them. They're just doing it out of a necessity because HR told them to put a goal in there. Yes. And if I were to be completely honest, and thank goodness the the man in my life is not around me right now, I write his performance goals every year. I do it because no one really reads them. I mean, and I write them in a smart goal fashion 
but nobody ever goes back to them. So he'll come up to me now, I guess in a couple of weeks and he'll say, oh, it's goal setting time. And then he'll run off. And I'm like, okay, so I take the goals from last year, readjust them to this year and nobody ever reads them. And that's a problem in of themselves, isn't it? You know, because we really want those goals to be something that we can go back to either at the end of the year when it becomes a performance appraisal time or just to give ourselves that great pat on the back to say, look what I achieved. This is what I did, you know, and make yourselves feel like, yes, I've done something purposeful this year. And so I put in a link in the chat there for the Big Rock goal setting planner that we're going to use today. And we're going to be using that. We're going to go into breakout rooms here in just a moment. And we're going to be using this. And so here's what it looks like. We got our big rock. So this is what it looks like. And what we have here is I'm asking you to identify a big goal. It doesn't have to be a big goal for the year. It could be a big goal for this month or it could be a big goal for this quarter or something aspirational. That's all right. The key here is understanding the motivation, which is in block two, right? Why is this goal important? Why is it important to you? Why is it important to your business? Why is it important to your team? You know, why? What's the motivation behind it? Because part of us accomplishing something is there's that teeth in the game mentality, right? I have something that I want to achieve and why I want to achieve it. A lot of times it's because, you know, I want to get my raise and that's okay. But other times it's because you want to learn something. You want to feel better. You want to be stronger. You want to be better at what you're doing. You want to learn more, right? There's a motivation. There's a why behind it. And a goal written without a why behind it is automatically setting yourselves up for failure, right? So when you can't relate the goal to a motivation, this is where we have issues, now, you notice that I also put in this block here, it's asking you for a date. Now, this is a date that doesn't necessarily have to be hard and firm, like a smart goal type of date. But as the saying goes, a goal without a date is just a dream. You know, so we, we've got to plug something in for us to guide us towards, you know, so that way we can adjust and we can flex when needed. Yeah, And then the other part of this is I'm going to ask you all to chunk it down because a BHAG goal is a big, hairy, audacious goal. And that means then that we have to chunk our goals down. How many of you have written on a to-do list somewhere, something along the lines of start that e-learning project or complete the project or start writing that instructional design module or start writing this workshop, right? Yes, Brenda, goals like clean the whole house. That's not helpful. Right. So we have to chunk it down. When you think about cleaning the whole house, you've got to start somewhere. So the chunk then becomes, and I can say this because I got a room over on the other side that needs cleaning out something horrible. So it becomes clean out that room. Or in this case, it's start the outline for your e-learning module, start the storyboard, do the first module storyboard, right? So it's chunking it down into smaller bits makes it more palatable and less of a propensity for failure which is what we're looking for. And so we're going to ask you to chunk this down. Now, each chunk in of itself has steps that you need to complete in order to get the chunk completed. So that way, your big, hairy, audacious goal also becomes completed. So you can see this is where we're scaffolding the goals, right? We're supporting the goals as they work up. When you complete one part, 
with another part, with another part, then one plus one plus one equals three. Then you get to your big hairy audacious goal. Is everyone with me? What are your thoughts? Chime in. Let's hear it. Those of you who are new know that I have an inordinate amount of patience for this sort of thing. I will wait until somebody says something. Let's roll. Douglas, let's roll. You're ready to get into it. All right. Yeah, let's, come on. Let's go. Let's do it. Okay. Oh, go ahead, Erica. I was just going to say, in listening to Shannon, and we're talking about the scaffolding, and I'm like, okay, so when we're talking about, oh, I'm going to have to clean the entire house, like totally, right? That's completely unreasonable of putting that burden on ourselves, right? So you said, chunk it down. Just like, again, we try to chunk learning. So then I was listening to you and I'm like, she's totally talking about then in the context of projects where we're talking about like our project gates and, you know, each project, I mean, not a hundred percent, Shannon, I'm not saying that each gate is a goal in and of itself, but you even said then like you can try to break that down and you could scaffold from that. So for me, how that triggered in my brain, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. Cause that makes total sense is if you think about your project gates or it's like, okay, so what are these like points? And like, let's go back to, I have to clean the entire house. Okay. So a project gate would be to your point. Okay. Cleaning the you know front bathroom, cleaning the kitchen. And those could be maybe your gates. And then even within each gate, you then said, okay, then like, what are those things then that I need to accomplish to achieve that gate? Mm -hmm. That'd be cleaning the toilet, you know, cleaning the, the bathtub, et cetera, et cetera. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. So now I guess my question to you, Shannon, is so when we're talking about this and we're trying to say that SMART goals set us up for failure, is thinking about it in these in the context of like a project gate and then saying, what are those smaller tasks that have to be done? Is that an iterative thought process and does it take you away from creating a SMART goal or is there a hiccup in there that I'm not seeing that that still becomes in and of itself a SMART goal? So there are two different things, Erica, and I think this is part of the problem that we have about it. So what we tend to do is we build a SMART plan and what that does is that has a list of intentions, uh, a list of intended activities that we would like to happen. And the problem is, is as soon as the tire hits the road, then we find that the problems start occurring. And the issue is because we don't build into the smart plan, which we can do within a BHAG, our implementation intentions. So you can build an intention to implement within a BHAG that you can't do within a smart goal. Uh, for example, implementation intention is built around a model of if a situation happens, then I will and whatever the will happens to be. So by building a BHAG and say, right, well, I want this to happen, you're already identifying some of the challenges or some of the things that we're going to get in the way, and you can plan around those. A SMART goal or a SMART plan will only ever work on what your intention is, but not necessarily the individual implementation of each of those parts. Does that make sense? I'm comprehending what you're saying, Andrew. Thank you for that. And I'm mulling it over. I'm not, and I don't mean that in the context of that I want to form a disagreement, but meaning I think what I'm hearing is maybe the true identifier between the two is that a BHAG allows you to consider where things could go sideways. Exactly. 
a BHAG likely will likely be more context driven, whereas yes. smart goals tend to be individually driven. Right. And if you look at the second page of the goal sheet, it is going to ask you what barriers you might anticipate with each individual chunks and how are you going to get in front of those barriers. And so right now what we're going to do, An is uh, with us again. Hello, An. And she's going to put us into breakout rooms. And the first part of this, what I would like us to do is I would like us to spend about 10 minutes in each room. And you're going to discuss what your BHAG might be, what your motivation might be, and try to chunk some of this down, right? So try to develop a couple of chunks for your BHAG. So you're working through step one, step two, and step three. And we're going to put you into smaller groups, probably about four or five, maybe per group. So you can have this conversation. Is everybody with me? All right. On, we're going to turn it over to you. One of the things that I came up in our group was how the language of big, hairy, audacious goal to some people, like I was saying, like my husband, he's really good at setting these big, and the bigger and the hairier, the better. He will just <laughs> throw it out there. Um, whereas for somebody like myself, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't say that out loud because what happens if I don't, you know, achieve it or even come close to it? So it's almost like we were saying, like in some ways it can feel like it's sort of, a shackle um, and it's really hard to express it mm -hmm. um, whereas for other people it's totally motivating and exciting right and well and I think when we break down the BHAGs into chunks it becomes less intimidating it's oh I can do that right it's like saving up for a house it's do we need twenty thousand dollars tomorrow no when I did the math I did the math on this yesterday like if I needed $20,000 for a down payment on a house in two years, all I need to do is put aside $27 a day. Can I put together $27 a day? Yeah, that's more doable than thinking about, oh my God, 20 grand. You know, so when you break down, you know, the BHAG into chunks and you break those chunks into chunks, then all of a sudden it becomes more attainable. And I think that's what we're all striving for. Shannon, uh, so to that point, I, I think, and, and I don't know if I'm <laughs> taking an inadvertent contrarian point of view where I'm coming at this from such a sideways place that I myself am, am just lost in my own desert of thought. You know, if somebody is feeling overwhelmed by the terminology of a big, hairy, audacious <laughs> goal, right? I mean, it's, it's such a wonderful term. To, it really helps to really visualize something. But is it appropriate to suggest that someone's big, hairy, audacious goal is maybe not the same big, hairy, audacious as someone else's? Oh, absolutely. With a big, hairy, audacious goal of I'm going to clean one room in my house because I haven't cleaned my house in quite some time. And so I feel like maybe I'd like to accomplish that now. Yeah, your goal is your goal. Okay, so some of us, if we're getting paralyzed. So if big, hairy, audacious is, is paralyzing instead of freeing, maybe then we're, what we're hearing is that there's permission to say big, hairy, and audacious can take on 
a variety of looks and sizes and, and ways that it exists within our lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all subjective. I mean, what's, what's big for me may be small potatoes for somebody else. I was on a webinar yesterday with, with somebody else, a, a content developer person. And they were talking about, oh, their goal was to get 6,000 people in a webinar. And I'm like, 6,000 people? What is that? I'm like, I'm happy when I have 40. I'm okay with that. You know, so everybody's goal is going to look different. But even though it's different, so 6,000 versus, let's say, 40, for example, it might be equally intimidating, right? The steps, however, may still be somewhat the same, but different levels of intimidation, different levels of pressure. And it's okay. It's okay. You know, your goals are your goals. That's why they're your goals. I'd like to add the second part of that is that, Eric, you get to set your own level of what success means. Exactly. Especially when it comes to personal goals. You want to run three miles in, in you know, under 18 minutes. All right. If at the end of your assigned timeline, you only get 19 minutes, is that really not a win? You still ran three miles in 19 minutes, right? Right. Great example there, Douglas. And when you think about running three miles, and if your chunk is to say, I, I can run three miles in six months, I can run three miles in six months. And so then you break it down one mile, two miles, three miles. And then to get to that first mile, you got to be able to run around the block first, right? There's the first step. Maybe it's running around the block. And if I can say I ran around the block, success, check. I ran around two blocks, check right? So you can see those success steps build up. That's all that we can do is set ourselves up for success rather than to put guardrails that almost ensure failure. Sometimes the big hairy goal is a new way of thinking. Oh, good. Yes, you're right. So it's like a mindset shift. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, or a new way of approaching the work or approaching the goal. I like that. And so what would you think what would you do to chunk that out a little bit? I think part of it is giving yourself some space for some deep thought and yes. for pulling in others into the thinking. Yeah, not being afraid to, I think, bring forward the ideas, consider the ideas. I think it can be really easy when we're looking at changing something to kind of shoot everything down, just look for the negative things of why it won't work. Mm-hmm. So really being open to... Maybe even something that was done away a long time ago, but to really look at it from a fresh perspective of what are the good things within it that can that we can use and take forward. Yeah, I like the idea of giving you space, space to think about things. And that's a great chunk too, because we don't do that. And that's how we can think about this now. It's like, what are the steps that's going to get me to wherever it is I need to be? Brenda. The, the thing that I really appreciate is just the why. It's amazing to me how often whenever we go to do something, we skip over the part of like, why are we doing it? And I think that's the part that also keeps us going. Uh, so I really like that. And the other part is, I think one of the things that falls short with whether it's just performance development goals in general or smart goals is you set this goal. And then, like you said, you don't look at it or you never think, okay, if I'm going to do this thing, like then what, what are all the things I have to do to, to lead up to that? So I think just break breaking it down into those pieces and celebrating your accomplishments. That's how you actually get there. So I love both of those components. Great. Thank you. Yes, that's exactly how to think about it. Andrew, 
Yeah, going back to the mindset change, Dawn, I think that's a that's a really interesting point. There, it goes back to also your your circumstance, Shannon, when you're writing somebody else's goals for them. There's a lot of what I call theatre around performance, mm-hmm. performance theatre, where we can point at the things that we say we do, and everybody else can look at it and go, "Oh, absolutely, that's you know that's there," and and look at the forms we've got and the completions of the documents and stuff, but nothing fundamentally changes. So we've got evidence of following a process but no difference being made at all. And that's one of the things that has to happen in terms of the thought process is actually you look at this and go, I have to think about this differently. It's not just doing what I've always done and just dressing it up and making it look nice. It's actually changing the fundamental expectations of what I want from this. Yes, thank you. Thank you for that. And we're going to circle back around. We're going to do one more breakout room here real quick. And then we're going to circle back around with Andrew. And Andrew's going to talk about working through barriers, the importance of working through barriers, and then also reevaluating. When is it time to reevaluate and say, this just is not working for me. I need to do something else. Okay. So we're going to put you back in the same exact rooms. If you haven't gone through your chunks yet, that's fine. But if you have, now you can set some action steps to your chunks. So you can pick one or two of your chunks and say, okay, now how am I going to get that chunk completed? Okay. All right, let's do it. Well, welcome back. How did that go? (laughs) Thumbs up, Maureen. Excellent. Kathy, I see smiles over there. It went good for you. Okay. Either lots of laughter, which is always a good thing to see people coming back smiling rather than a little frowny face. So this is all good. Who wants to volunteer? What did you guys uh, come up with? Well, we were going through, um, Don had talked about briefly when we just ended about, uh, we were working on one of the projects I have. They asked one of the uh, stepping stones that I need to achieve in the next, uh, moving forward in the next three months is, is really getting our team all on the same level. And uh, I was mentioning that we had one, uh, the, actually the lead of this whole thing is the boss. And she, um, she's learning, still learning the, the subject matter. I, brought, I was brought in as a subject matter expert. And then the third person that was brought in recently as a contractor is extremely knowledgeable in the field, but very, uh, as I use the term, diamond in the rough as far as training is concerned. Uh, not very good at writing. Uh, not very good at design or understanding some of the the presentation stuff, but has great ideas. So trying to get them to uh, feel comfortable with people criticizing their work. And I say criticizing, I mean, as I was telling Douglas and Dawn, I've been around long enough. I know you don't just, you know, tell that sucks. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I'm very creative with, you know, presentation as far as letting them know that, you know, hey, remember, it's us. It's not you. This is we as a team, and we're presenting this to higher level presidents and vice presidents. And if we're going to put this out there, it needs to be polished. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, you don't have 50 words to a president sure. if 20 will do. That was part of the deal in the overcoming that is get the team together. Great. Great. Thank you for that, Tom. Sure. All right, Andrew. So the next step for us is to think about planning for the barriers as well as when we can 
or when we should readjust? So one of the big problems that I find when we have conversations about performance planning and, and personal development and stuff is, like I said before, as soon as the, the rubber hits the road, we encounter difficulties. I think it was Sunju said that, you know, all the best plans fail at first contact with the enemy, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. We need to build that and accommodate that in. So one of the things that, that I'm preparing and writing is it's built around sort of like the, the principles of big hairy audacious goals, but is a model that's simply um, A, B, C, D, E. A is aspiration. So what do I aspire for? And what I find interesting is people can quite clearly tell me what they don't want but they find it a lot more difficult to highlight what they do want. So brilliant one from Maureen in the, the group that we were talking in was um, clutter-free in 23. I love that phrase. It's brilliant oh, phrase. love that. Love that phrase. So that's a brilliant aspiration. Okay, clutter-free in 23. Now, that works brilliantly because, one, it's, it's a challenge to get to. Secondly, it's time-bound. It tells us specifically when it's going to end by. So that's a lovely aspiration. I love that phrase. Secondly... So what's B stand for? Well, B stands for building blocks. So the building blocks are the things that will take me closer towards that aspiration. So what are the things that I need to do to take me towards that aspiration? One thing might be um, I need to learn how to get rid of the stains in my toilet pan, for example. So I need to learn, well, what, you know, is it a chemical or as I use vinegar? I don't know. I don't know how you do that. So I'll go and learn how I need to, you know, the building block that will take me towards it. C is challenges. So what are the challenges? What are the things that are stopping me being clutter-free? So what I then do is I work out, okay, so what are the things that might prevent me from doing it? You'll notice that I've not prior, I'm not prioritizing anything here. All I'm doing is listing all the building blocks and all the challenges. So that's A, B, C. D is decision. So what we do is we decide in what order am I going to do things? So a challenge might be my toilet stinks can't touch it or the building block is i need to learn how to clean it so actually what do i need to do first well i need to overcome the smell so i'll get a mask there we go that overcomes the challenge b then i know how i need to clean it with so d is making the decision what are the things i need to do to terrain towards it but the e and this is the most important part is the environmental check so at the point when i do the first step is it still the next thing on the list the next thing i need to do so you'll have an aspiration and then below that, you will have one, two, three, five, ten, twenty 10, 20 building blocks and challenges all mixed up together. I do the first one, number one. Is number two still the right one or is there something else I need to do before it? Is number two, I complete that one. Is number three the right one or do I need to do number four next, etc.? And what you do is you build those things and you complete all of those tasks. You do the um, building blocks, you overcome the challenges, and all the time you're constantly referring back to your aspiration, am I still clutter-free in 23? Mm -hmm. And you're addressing each of those things individually. So it's really important to go back and check and check and check and build a checking mechanism in. What we tend to do in the workplace is quarterly reviews. Let's review how someone's doing. And what we do is we talk about the work you did in the last two, three weeks and what you're going to do in the next two, three weeks because nobody can remember what happened three months ago. And no one's going to pick this up in three months' time either. You're laughing, Eric. You know this. This happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have these conversations in the workplace, but nothing changes. So by building it this way, you will have a series of tasks and things, and you can constantly review and add those things, other activity into it.
So I, what I'd be doing, Shannon, is I'd be challenging you and I'd be saying, okay, so where's specificity in your BHAG? Mm-hmm. So how big does your community need to be? So we've got 12, 15 people here. I don't know how many it is, something like that. Is your target to have 25 people, 30 people, for example, you know, on mm-hmm. a session by you know, July? Because then it becomes focused rather than ephemeral. Yes, and I, I completely agree with that. And I absolutely have those goals written out <laughs> as far as what I'm hoping to achieve in people and money and, and such like that. The other key goes back to motivation, right? And reassessing is, did I find myself, and I've said this before, is that your goals are driven by a GPS. And sometimes it's okay to go off the standard path and look at the historical marker, but you have to come back. And so at some point when you reassess, have you gone back to the trail? So that way you can get to where you're supposed to be. All right. So here we are. I think we are. Oh, we are at the top of the hour. (laughs) This time always just goes so fast. It does. But thank you, everyone who is here today. And you will get these resources. You'll get the video, the transcript, and all those other good things. You know, that's going to come at you in an email shortly. So on that note, thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Good luck with your BHAGs. We'll do some check-ins, you know, to see how you guys are doing. Make sure everybody's on track. If you've reevaluated, if you followed your alphabet. And good luck to you. And I look forward to seeing you again in two weeks. Thank you, everyone, for hanging with us for another Learning Rebels Coffee Chat. And there you have it. Smart goals aren't smart. Smart goals work when we are tackling goals that are short and very specific. But if you are like the rest of the working world and your goals are bigger with many twists and turns and ups and downs, then you need our Big Rock Goal Planner. Eight easy steps that will help you create goals that stand a chance of success because they allow for patience, review, and review of barriers. Why? Because life and work do not fit within a smart goal box. So why try to treat it that way? In the show notes below, you will find the Big Rock Planner, Andrew Jacobs' ABCDE model, and the link to a short video that will walk you through all of the steps of the planner. Well, you want to join us live? And you know you do. Go on over to learningrebels.com and sign on up. In the meantime, stay curious, be rebellious, and take over the world. Bye for now.